While I was teaching the faith course yet again this week, the Lord spoke to me and he said, there's no harm in repetition. Many of the fundamental principles of God need to be repeated over and over again so that it in a sense affects the DNA of the congregation and it becomes the way we see things. Very important, therefore, to understand that if you teach something once, in no way means that everybody's picked it up or, in a sense, absorbed it. So, once again, this is a message that we all know. By now, we should all know it. But there are new people joining the church, and it doesn't do any harm to remind ourselves. I was teaching on the subject where we talk about the connection between the tongue and the human spirit. And the importance of your and my tongue, especially in this process of developing our faith. In a sense, our tongue is a faith factory. The mouth is a faith factory. Now, let me just put this in context. You see, faith is really important to the Christian walk. Hebrews 11 explains that you can't please God without it. What do you mean by please God? Does that mean that if you have lots of faith, God will love you anymore? Well, we've said this time and again, that's not the point. But you see, faith is so important to the Christian because without faith, all the promises of God are essentially meaningless. They're out there, but they mean nothing. For the simple reason that you and I would be unable to access them. Nothing is worse than living a life where you promised a lot, but you see nothing. And that's what happens, you see, to so many people, especially in this day and age, especially amongst the youth, I see it. We grow up in a Christian family, we grow up with the Bible, we read about all these wonderful promises, but we don't get taught faith. Then what happened? Life happens. And you see, in that process of life, the enemy takes advantage. And the Christian who isn't versed in faith is powerless to not only defend himself, but to take the attack into the enemy camp. How many times have we come across the story? Christian family loving the church loving, going to Sunday school, then tragedy comes. Then the big question, why God? Not understanding that we've got to function, you see. The devil is out there. God is on our side, but we have to learn how to fight. We have to learn how to fight. If you I were in an army, say, and... We were given a weapon, but nobody trained us how to use it. We don't even know what it's for. When we get attacked, we are defenseless. Now, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not guns and bullets. The weapons of our warfare are faith. And please, let's be reminded, faith overcomes the world. This is the victory we have, even our faith. Now you see, 
The point is, not only must we know about faith, what faith actually is, we also need to know how to develop it. That, as we've said so many times, is a massive teaching all on its own, a bottomless pit of information in a sense that we need to continually be researching and developing in. But there are some elements that are foundational. And one of these foundational elements is the power of words. Now, it's important to understand how God operates. If you go back to the beginning of time, let's just read Genesis 1, 1, 2, 3. Just remind ourselves of something. Genesis 1, 1, 2, 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Alright? Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, notice, let there be light. Can you see that? God, when he gets into operation, all he has to do, you speak. The whole universe is controlled, the Bible says, by the word of his power. God doesn't jump off the throne and say, oh, I better go and get some mud here and make the earth. And No, no. He stays where he is and he speaks. There's tremendous power in the spoken word. Now you might say, oh, well, that's God. Let's remind ourselves that God created us in his image. No, we're not God. But the Bible says that we are gods. Meaning that we don't rule the roost over everybody else. Not at all. But we are created in his own image. And you see, if you understand that God's spoken word has tremendous power, you'll realize that we too, created in his image, have tremendous power. Now, you see, in the same way, God released his power through speech. You and I have to learn how to do the same thing. Let's look at the Lord here on earth. Let's go to Mark 11, well-known scripture in this regard. Mark 11, this is the old story where he's speaking about this fig tree. All right? He passes by the fig tree on the way to the temple, and he wants to eat something. The Lord goes over to the fig tree, and there's nothing there. He fully expects there to be early fruit. We've spoken about this. And then he merely makes a statement. Mark 11 verse 40. Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard this. They probably thought pretty strange talking to a tree, but anyway. By now they'd seen so many strange things happening in this man's way of living that this was small by comparison. However, they come back out of the temple. Remember, he's thrown over all the money changes and obviously that's what he needed the energy for, the food for, because he's about to do a great work, physical work. But anyway, when evening had come, they went out of the city. Verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree, lo and behold, I've added that by the way, dried up from the roots. 
Now Peter picks up on this and says, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now listen to this answer, and please, this is central to such a lot of teaching in the Bible. So Yeshua answered and said to him, Have faith in God. Have faith in God. This whole thing is actually a lesson on faith, which the Lord was so desperately trying to communicate to his disciples. For assuredly I say to you, now listen to this, whoever says, see, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, that's part A, say, and B, does not doubt in his heart. You see that? Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Do you see that? He will have whatever he says. And he goes on to speak a little bit about prayer. Now, you see, a scripture like that, you and I can pass by and say, oh, that's interesting, and say, oh, wow, and move on. And you see, right there, the devil chuckles and says, carry on, play church. Or we can say, this is what the man said. If he said that, does he mean, oh, I'm just playing around? No. He means exactly what he says. Speaking to the disciples and speaking to you and I, his disciples a few thousand years later, the same words prevail. Whatever you speak, if, now there's the big condition, if you believe in your heart that what you say will happen, you'll have anything that you say. Just think about it. Now, the type is obviously this whole business of faith. Have faith in God. The speaking part, in a sense, is the easy part. The believing, that's where the problem is. I can guarantee anybody listening to me now, if you go out and speak to the nearest mountain and command it to be cast into the sea, physically, the chance of it won't happen. Does that mean it will never happen or can't happen? Then he's a liar. Then we get all spiritual and say, oh, well, you see, really speaking about the problems in our lives. And by extension, that's very true. In fact, that's the main purpose for this teaching. You see, you and I, in life, will encounter problems. No faith teacher of any note will deny that. You've often been accused of saying, oh, you're living in a cloud cuckoo land where there's no sickness or disease. No, we never said that. Sickness is very real. But you see, you and I can develop our faith to the place where that sickness has no hold over us. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So now what's the big deal? If I go and speak to the mountain, it doesn't move, but I speak to my problems, they'll move. Well, both yes and no. You see, the Lord here is giving us instruction. And if we have the Spirit of God in us and we read it with inquiring minds, do you understand? We're not happy to let the Scripture go. I'm sure there are many things you and I want. If there's nothing you or I want, there are a lot of things that other people want. And wouldn't it be lovely to be able to speak and see those things happen? 
And that's what God wants. Being pleasing in God's sight means being effective. We need to be effective for Him. And the only way to be effective on this earth is by being able to overcome the negative forces on this earth, namely the operations of Satan. And those spiritual operations can only be overcome with spiritual weapons, even our faith. Now, let's just look at another scripture because there's an important teaching here. And that is to do with this whole principle of your and my mouth being a faith factory. Let's go to Hebrews 4. Just stay with me. I'm going to explain why maybe the mountain doesn't move at first, but it can move eventually. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the heart. The phrase there that I want to pick up on now is that the word of God is a two-edged sword. Two. Two being the number of our Lord Yeshua. God the Father, God the Son, the second Adam. You see now, this whole process of the word being a two-edged sword implies that every time we operate with the word, two things happen. Generally speaking, two things happen. Now, if we grasp the fact that your and my mouth is the apparatus we use to speak the word, all right? Our mouth is the apparatus we use to proclaim the word. When you read in the Bible, confess, very often it should read proclaim, because proclaim and confess come from exactly the same Greek word. They're the same word translated differently in occasions. But you see, the heart of it is agreement. Now when we profess or proclaim God's word, we are agreeing with God. We are lining up with what God thinks. You see? And what happens when we proclaim the word of God in any situation, it changes the environment. There's actually a scientific reason for that. As you said before, and please, I'm no nuclear physicist by any means, but Atoms are made up of protons, neutrons, electrons. But you see, what makes up those little building blocks? Look inside a proton. Scientists discovered what they call a quark. And a quark is essentially a sound wave. Think about it. Everything that you and I can see around us is made up of atoms, and those atoms are made up of neutrons, protons, and those protons, etc., are made up of quarks, sound waves. When you start to think about these things, that you can understand how God's Word created everything. 
The words were the basic building blocks for everything. Words transferred what was in heaven into the natural realm. These are deep things. We haven't got time to really go into them. But the truth of the matter is, you see, the moment you and I speak, we affect our environment. We affect our environment. We go into a lot of different homes, as many of you probably do in the course of our work. Whenever you go into a home, if you are sensitive, you can pick up an environment, a spirit, an atmosphere, if you want to call it that. And that atmosphere has got nothing to do with the quality of the fittings, etc., or the location of the building. It's got everything to do with the people that are in there and the words they have continually spoken. You can sometimes pick up a spirit of anger in a home, believe it or not. But let's not go there. Now, just stick with us here. You see, we have to tie up this whole process of faith and the tongue. Remember the Lord said, whatever you say, believing in your heart, it will happen. It will happen. Now, you see, there's two things that happen when we speak. As I've mentioned, when we speak, something happens on the outside. But here's the big thing, the revelation to grasp. Every time we speak, something also happens on the inside. Something also happens on the inside. Let's just look at our favorite scripture on faith. We've said it so many times. I don't have to turn there, but... Maybe some of us have to. Let's go to Romans 10, 17, just to see that it is there. All right, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The context is, who's going to get saved if there's no preacher, you see? People can't just get saved. Somebody has to go and explain the word of God to them. You see, proclaim the word of God. As that word of God is proclaimed in general, people can receive it, they can develop faith enough to believe it, and they can get saved. That's what he's saying here. But you see, it goes far beyond that. It's not just about salvation, or it is about salvation in the broader sense. But it says that faith comes. It's often spoken about that word, cometh. In the Greek, it's not even written, it's implied. The word that is implied in the sentence construction is archomai. And that word, Echamah, is a fascinating word. I haven't got time to explain it, but the essence of it is that something suddenly or eventually just manifests. It doesn't just happen, it gradually manifests. Like a painting. The artist is busy here and there, and you and I go into his studio, and we can't make head or tail of this muddle of paint and mess. But as he continues to work, you see he's got it in his mind, and slowly but surely that picture, oh, I can see that bird there, oh, there's that flower there, wow, there's, and suddenly this magnificent kudu emerges, and eventually the whole picture, alchemize. Well, you see, faith is like that. Faith is like that. As we involve ourselves with the correct exercise, whether we feel it or not, this spiritual power called faith, is developing. Let's go to another favorite scripture of ours in Romans. Still Romans 10, but let's read 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart 
that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now listen to verse 10, explaining this process. For with the heart, now heart, by the way, means your spirit man. Faith is a substance that is developed only in the spirit of a man. There's no other place to develop it. You can't make it in a factory. All right? For with the spirit, the spirit, the heart, one believes, you see that? Exercises faith. Believes for righteousness and with the mouth, notice, confession is made unto salvation. With the mouth, constant agreement with God is made that results in salvation, wholeness in every area of life. Let's tie this up together. You see, when I start to speak the word of God, and I speak it with conviction, my spirit man hears the word. Your hearing faculty and speaking faculty, our hearing and speaking faculty in the brain are side by side. In other words, when you and I speak something, we will really hear. You can hear people speaking and it can go over you. But when you and I speak, we really hear. You see? Now here's the mystery. You and I speak the word of God. And what happens is our spirit man receives that word and faith, which erchamaz, comes by hearing. Can you see that? That faith inside of us, which when we were all birthed into this earth, we all had a measure of that element of faith, that ability to really believe what we cannot see starts to grow. We are watering it. And we might not feel anything, but it starts to grow. Can you see that? It's a mystery. Now we speak the word and we continue to profess the word. What's happening is our faith is growing. Now let's tie that up with Mark 11. You see, the Lord said, if you speak and you believe, it will happen. Well, you see, I speak to the mountain, and because I don't really believe, it won't happen. But now listen, something happens out there, but what's happening inside to start off with is more important. And now let's just grasp something here. You see, if you really believe, the mountain will move. If you keep speaking, your ability to believe is getting bigger. The point is this, you see. The day comes when your faith, because you've been building it up, we've been building it up by a positive statement, our continued agreement with what God thinks about things based on what he's already said in his word, our faith grows. And the day comes when we do really believe that the mountain will move. And guess what happens? We speak and the mountain moves. Do you get it? That's the process. And you see, the moment we see the mountain move, do you know what happens? You and my spirit leaps for joy and our faith also breaks out. And you see, the more we see happening what we speak, the more it encourages our faith. It's a snowball effect. 
you and I keep speaking the right words, keep speaking faith-filled words, professing them. Our faith keeps on growing. What we speak starts to happen. Our faith responds. We keep speaking. It's possible to move a mountain, ultimately. Not because I said it, but because the God of creation said it, who made the system. So you see, we have a responsibility. The start is to realize just how powerful our words are and to be very sparing with our words. If we realize whatever word we speak, whether people hear it or not, is going to affect them. It's going to affect the world around us. But you see, it's not a case of being scared to speak. The Bible does say that it's better to say nothing. All right, Even if you keep quiet and you're simpleton, people think you are, sort of thing. But you see, there is a time to speak. It's a weapon we have which has to be used. You might carry a weapon, a firearm on you. It doesn't mean you go into the shop and start shooting around. Imagine that. That would create quite a stir. Now, we would never do that with a firearm. But guess what we do with our mouth? Every possible situation we keep yapping. And you know something? If we use our mouths without circumspection, we're actually losing the power. We're dissipating the power, wasting the power. It's like shooting wildly, you're wasting bullets. You see? But the positive aspect is we need to start speaking. Please, I'm not saying when we're in public or in society or with friends, we just don't say a word. I think you're mad. We need to communicate, you understand. But what we are talking about is the wise use of our mouths. And you see, what the devil likes is when you and I have a problem and we continue to speak the problem. I'm sometimes worried about asking certain people how they are. Because it might unleash a whole avalanche of negative talk about themselves. It's quite tricky to try and reverse that. But you see, we're not supposed to speak the problem. Now, once again, that doesn't mean we're saying the problem doesn't exist. Please. That's stupidity, foolishness. We have nothing to do with that. We know the problem is real. Amen. But you see, if you know what the problem is and you keep speaking and harping on the problem, you're actually agreeing with the devil, with the problem. Can you see that? Better still is to start speaking the answer. Now please, practically speaking, this kind of confession that we're speaking about, this positive confession, is not for public consumption. If you understand what we've been talking about here, it's not something that you have to go around speaking to everybody. You have to be wise. People won't understand when they see you obviously battling with the symptoms of flu. And you say, oh no, I'm not sick. They'll say, well, you cooked and we don't have anything to do with you. You're one of these name it and claim it people. Well, you might be one of these so-called name it and claim it people, but you have to exercise wisdom. But you see, at the same time, you don't want to go along and say, oh yes, I've got flu. Better still say, I'm being challenged with sickness, or I'm under attack, or something like that, which is the truth. You are under attack. But you see, you can't afford, you and I can't afford to say, yes, I've got flu, I'm sick, I'm battling, the doctor says this, might be asthma. You can't afford to do that. Because every time you do that, you are feeding the fire of your affliction. 
and my affliction. You see, you're not speaking to the mountain, you're agreeing with the mountain. And you see, we've got to learn to discipline ourselves. And this profession of faith is reserved primarily for when you and I are praying. I've often gone around the swimming pool in our complex professing the word of God over my and my family's lives. Professing the word, what God thinks about it. And you keep going like that, you come back from the swimming pool on a high, ready to face the world. Now, you see, you might say, and this is the big argument, oh well, you are not looking at the facts. Well, we've got to grasp something fundamental here. There is a difference between truth and facts. Most people, when you ask them, what is truth, they say, oh, well, it's the facts. Nothing could be further from the truth. You see, facts are the situation as it actually is. And we're not denying it. We're not denying that. But you see, truth fundamentally is what God thinks about it. See that? And what he thinks about it is found in his written word. You and I are being challenged with flu. What does God think about it? He knows that it doesn't belong to you. He thinks that his power is more than enough to overcome it. He knows that if we can rise up in faith, we won't have that symptom. You see, that is the truth. Now I've got a choice. Do I line up with the facts or do I line up with the truth? And here's the big difference, you see. Facts are subject to change. Facts are subject to change. The truth is not the truth is eternal. Now you see, here I am. I'm in the middle. Which one am I going to profess? Which one am I going to agree with? You see? If I agree with the facts, guess what I will experience? The facts. The moment I say, I've got the flu, guess what, my brother and sister? You have the flu. It doesn't belong to you, but you've taken that orphan into your home. And that orphan wants to destroy you. You get it? Now, I've got a choice. I can say, no, I recognize the facts. I'm cognizant of them. They are trying to attack me, but I refuse to proclaim them. I refuse to agree with it. I'm going to choose rather to agree with the word of God. And I'm going to proclaim that. I'm going to speak it with my mouth. With the mouth, confession. Profession is made unto what? Healing. Salvation. As I speak the truth, what God thinks, by the stripes of Yeshua, I was healed. And many other beautiful scriptures, by the way. One of them is, all things are possible to him who believes. I believe. Hallelujah. You go on like that. And let me tell you what happens. This is the way the system works. Whether you like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, God happens to be God and he's made things a certain way. And if we want to be wise, we find out how the system works and get it to work for us. Amen? Get it to work for us, not against us. And you see, here's the system. If you and I continue 
and the heart of it is continue. Like the persistent widow, we continue to profess, to agree with the truth. Do you know what will happen? Ultimately, the truth will become the facts. You see that? The truth will become the fact. By his stripes I was healed. By his stripes I was healed. By his stripes I was. Oh goodness me, the symptoms have disappeared. I can't tell you how many times that's happened in my life. I know this thing works. To the extent that the devil doesn't bother to come at me with flu anymore. I haven't had flu, I think, for the last three or four seasons. I was challenged, I think, once, two seasons ago. But what did I do? What I always do, I went to my favorite pill, the gospel. Amen? Took out from my medical chest the word of God, and I gave it to him. He didn't stick around. Amen? In fact, he gives a wide berth to dear old Graham. Hallelujah. Is that because Graham is such a wonderful saint of God? Well, I am a saint of God, but so is everyone else who's born again, by the way. But the saint of God happens to just know what's in his Bible. And he's trying very hard to communicate that to everybody else, so that all of us, collectively, can live way above any form of sickness, disease, or poverty. I think that deserves a good amen. And if you were all here, I'm sure you'd give it to me. Praise God. So I'd like to just close with a thought. You and I are called to live over and above, no matter what the circumstances. But we will not live over and above simply because we have the label Christian. Do you see? There are conditions. And the greatest condition for you and I living above the mountains that come our way is the subject of faith. Don't be like those who neglect this important principle and then get sidewinded by the devil and then start to think, oh, well, where is God? And go into atheism, like so many. So many. It's not necessary. Be the example. And all those atheists will say, what have you got that we don't? Then we can talk business. Hallelujah. Kingdom business. The extension of the great and mighty kingdom. In the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen.